Before we jump straight into uh, the message today, I just want to pray. I just want to ask the Holy Spirit just to be upon us today and opening our hearts and our minds to lead us in understanding your word for us. So let's just ask God to be with us now. A gracious, loving God, we just, we just come into this moment, into this space, and we ask that you open our hearts, you open our minds, you open up our very being to your word found in the Bible. May it speak to us again and afresh and anew to us. May it challenge us. May it change us. May it make us more like you, O Jesus. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, we're into the 35th week on our series on the words, the ways, and the works of Jesus Christ, where we're exploring it. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, somebody goes, yes! Which means that we're getting really close to the end. We're at chapter 12, the end of chapter 12. And we've been exploring how Jesus has been teaching the disciples, how he's been interacting with the community and the religious leaders of the day, and what it actually means for us. And we're coming to that moment of getting towards Easter. We're so close to Easter now, and we, about the great work of salvation that we celebrate at Easter. This week, we're exploring two passages from Mark chapter 12. We're looking at verse 35 through to 44, and it's two sections. Um, and this actually, believe it or not, this actually marks the last of the public teachings of Jesus. He continues to teach the disciples privately, but out in the public, for everybody, this is the last part of his teachings, publicly. And he challenges those who are hearing his teaching today challenges them to think about their motives, to really question what, what are their motives, what are they doing. See, Jesus is challenging those, those religious leaders about their hypocrisy. He's challenging those people who are listening about their own hypocrisy and their motives. Now, we actually need to keep in mind, whenever we're reading the Bible, we, we, we read sections, and especially in church, we read a small section. And so often we don't have that bit in front and the bit behind because we actually need to realise when we come to this part where Jesus is challenging the motives of those religious leaders, of those who are listening, we actually need to realise it comes in a line of conversations he's having, in a section where the religious leaders have been questioning and challenging who Jesus is, what authority he has, why are you doing all of this, how come you can overturn the, the tables in the temple, all these kind of things. This all flows through this part and you come to this part where Jesus challenges them publicly. We always need to be careful not to take the Bible out of its context, to take it out and just go, oh, I just want to have this passage, this one verse and make it mine and it, it will speak to me in this way. Yes, God does speak to us through individual passages and often will challenge us and change us, but we need to be mindful that it's actually bigger. It's part of the story that's flowing through. So Jesus is actually pushing home the points that he's made throughout all of this time to all of those religious leaders that have been challenging him and, and going, where are you from? Why are you doing this? What authority do you have in this space? And so he's challenging them here. I, I just want us to come back into it. Just hear this again as we come into to listening to God's word for us. And it's so good that 
for us to be able to hear the Word of God and let it speak to us again. So what I want you to do, uh, if, if you feel comfortable, I want you to just to close your eyes for a moment and listen to the words of the Bible as I read them again for you. So later, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple, he asked, why do the teachers of religious laws claim that the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honour at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David himself called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? The large crowd listened to him with great delight. Jesus also taught, Beware of those teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. And how they love the seats of honour in the synagogues and the head of tables at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. You know, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. I love this passage. I actually love this piece of scripture, not because it, it, it's a, it's a good, make you feel good passage, but it's a challenging passage. It's a passage that talks about your own motives and what it, what it means for us to actually become a disciple. You know, it, it speaks to me. Now, you may notice that I'm not one of those uh, preachers and ministers that dress up in robes. I actually have a set in my wardrobe. I would dare to say that they might get be looking a little tatty just sitting in the wardrobe, not being aware. And I have the, the stoles and all those kind of things, and I can tell you about how you're meant to tie things up in a particular way, all that kind of... But I, for me, that just rings into this thing about wearing the robes to look good. And, and you, might, you might also know that, you know, when people come and talk to me, I actually don't like the title reverend. You know, I have it, but I don't actually like it. I prefer people just to say, hey, Simon. Um, you know, so often when I meet people for the first time, and, and this is what I, you know, for me, when somebody says, oh, you don't look like a minister, I think I'm actually doing my job. Because I don't want to be known. I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't wear a dog collar, a clerical collar if you want to have it a different way. Um, and, and I don't look like that. But we need to be careful because we can often want to portray ourselves to be better than who we are, to be more than who we are, to ascribe to a role and, and, and step into that. And yes, you know, we, we, you know, the whole thing about ordination, the whole thing about the laying on the hands and the Holy Spirit coming upon you in order to lead people to Christ. But you don't need to be, have that in order to lead people to Christ. It, it's, a, it's a part of the church's process that places us in this place of responsibility. It's a mantle of responsibility for us to lead into here. And it's important for us, but I, I don't want to take that on and say, this is my most important aspect. I don't want to walk around going, this is who I am. I, I walk around. Other ministers, let me say this, other ministers love it. Other ministers love the robes. Other ministers love doing all of these things. And I'm not saying that that's bad or that's good. I'm just saying, for me, when I read the Scriptures, when I read this passage, it reminds me and challenges me each and every time of why I don't. 
dress up, of why I go, this is who I am. I'm not trying to be pious. I'm not trying to put myself above and beyond any other people. I don't want to set myself apart from anybody else in this building. So let's let's drill into this uh, passage for a little bit. Um, because there are some points that really speak into not just my life, but can speak into all of our lives, you know. Let's let the Word of God speak into our lives today. And we're going to do a little bit of a test. And this is a motives test. So we're going to put the first question up on the screen. Here's our first motives test. Are you obsessed with your appearance? And I'll let that sink in for a moment. Are you obsessed with your appearance? Let me just read from verse 38 from Mark 12 again. For they like to parade around in flowing robes. You know, here here they have the religious leaders of the day, but this can speak into each and every one of us, you know. You know, so often those those religious leaders wanted to look good. You know, they wanted to look respectable. And, And historically we know that they really loved and favoured the white linen robe. Um, and everybody else had different colours one, but they, they love those white linen robes. Guess what my alb is? It's white linen. Um, there's nothing wrong with actually dressing up. There's nothing wrong with looking good unless the reason that you dress up is just simply to impress other people, to check your motive. Here's the motive test. Are you obsessed with your appearance? Do you want other people to, to go, oh, wow, you look good, or wow, isn't that great? And here's the thing. While I don't dress up in, in robes in front of in church, we could go to the other end of the spectrum for churches as well, where you've got the, the, the pastor out the front and they have the expensive shoes, they have the designer jeans, they have the look all going down because you've got to spend all that money to look great on stage. Assess your motives. Are you obsessed with your opinion? Appearance. Do you care more about what other people think about you and how you look than what God thinks about you? It's a big question for us. See, it doesn't always have to be about clothes either. It can be a lot more subtle. It can be, you know, are you projecting a front uh, about how people see you? Or do you let the real you come out? Or when you come into church, do you have the, the spiritual church look and, and person and persona, or do you have the person you are? Do we always put on a happy face when we meet people, or do we let it become real? See, so often we have this thing about our appearance. Motive test one. There are four of them. And they all come from this piece from the Bible. Motives test two. Do you care too much about your own status? Now, is this about too much about your own status? Let me read it again. From verse 38 to 39, and I'm going to just miss a little bit just so you can hear it. And they like to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. And how they love the seats of honour in the synagogues and at the head of the table at the banquets. See, people thrive on attention, don't we? We, Even introverts like attention. 
They just don't like it overwhelmed. But, you know, that, we all like some attention. We all like to be noticed. We all like to be admired. We all like to know that we've done a good job and, 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 and people have seen that. And that's fantastic. See, what the, what the Bible is saying here is that they like to be called, as they came on, teacher and rabbi and master and, and, and be given, you know, ushered up to the, the head of the table and sit, sit up with the family and be, be noticed at banquets and come up to the head of the line and be a part of this. It's, it's, it's showing a sign of respect for those individuals, a sign that we admire them. Let me tell you something, you know, about me. You know, I often will go to um, uh, church services that are, you know, put on by other parts of our church and, and I'm the one that doesn't like sitting out the front. I'm quite happy sitting down the back without my robes, without all those kind of things and just being a part of what's going on. Whereas others go, oh, I need to sit up the front. I need to be a part of all this. I need to be out there and being called, you know. And, and often when that's happening, people will go, oh, no, come up the front, be a part with us. And I go, okay, that's all right. But it's not about me going, I need to place myself there because I need that status and prestige. See, that's the thing, you know. It, it's, it's not about that. It's... It, it's it's not about the status. It's not about the prestige. I don't need to place myself into those, those areas. And I don't need to walk down the street and people go, oh, minister, oh, yeah. hello, father, or whatever it might be. Often it's hello, father. Um, but I don't want that. I don't need that because my validation doesn't come from what other people are saying. My validation actually comes from God, it comes from my relationship with God. That's the validation I need. See, let's be honest. We're all tempted, each and every one, attempted to want more respect, to have more validation in our lives, especially if we're in leadership. And it doesn't matter what kind of leadership, whether it's in the church or outside. The question you need to ask yourselves when you come into this space is, are you serving as a leader for the attention of others, or you're serving as a leader for the for the those around that you can serve. So we need to not let it go to our heads and imagine that we are better than others around us. See, that's the issue. When it's all about our status, we often think that we are better than others rather than one of the others. And that's important for us. So motives number three. You know, I said I love this passage because it really drills into us, not because it makes us feel good, but because it challenges us. Motives test number three, do you fake it spiritually? There's a big one for us as churchy people. And, and here's the thing. You know, when we start to think about this, is that what is one of the biggest criticisms that people have of the church? Hypocrisy, there you go, quick and straight in there. We're all a bunch of hypocrites. And the thing is, you know, here's the thing. Here's a little, if somebody goes, oh, I don't want to go to church because it's all full of hypocrites, you go, yeah, it is. And you're welcome to. Somebody got it, there you go. <laughs> because the thing is, we are all hypocrites if we seriously look at, at who we are and what we do because we all say we're going to do something. We all esteem to do something, but we all fall short. There are things, areas in our lives where we don't measure up. And here's this thing for us. Spiritually, 
are we faking it when we are part of here in church and doing all of this stuff? Here's what, they, here's what Jesus said to the religious leaders. You know, verse 40, it says, they pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. So it's about the words being seen, to be known. See, there's nothing wrong with having a long prayer, you know. It, it, the length of the prayer doesn't matter. It's about that if you're doing it just for show. If you're praying aloud on a long prayer in this way just for show, just to be noticed, just to be seen as spiritual or as Jesus used, pious, then you're doing it the wrong way. You're not doing the right thing. So let me ask you a question. Let me put it into practice for us here. Do you have, let me ask you, do you have a special voice when you pray? Do you have a particular style for when you pray in public? Do you love carrying around a big Bible in order for people to see that you are pious? See, none of these things, using a voice, having a particular style, carrying a Bible, all those, none of those are bad unless you do them. Here's the thing, check your motives, unless you're doing them, to look and sound more religious, to, to fake it, basically. It's not about being fake. It's about being real. It's about being authentic. It's about being who you are. God wants to see you, not on a, not a facade that you're putting on. God wants to see you, the person, the individual. Our fourth motive test that Jesus puts in. He's really... See, this is, this is following on from all of the times he's been talking with these religious leaders, and here's the fourth motive test that we get out of this. Do you have a heart full of greed? Verse 40 to 44 says this, and let's, we'll put it up on the screen for us. And yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property, and they pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they'll be more severely punished. See, and then Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched the crowd dropping in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they give a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has to live on. Here's the, here's the challenge part for us. And notice, notice that he takes his disciples away. He's given that statement about the pious and the, the greedy um, religious leaders and he then takes the disciples and sits down by the collection box in that space and says, I want you to see this. I want you to know this. I want you to understand this. You know, this should, this part of the Bible makes me squirm. You know, because it always comes back to how do I measure up to this space? How do I measure up to it? So often when we read this passage about the widow putting in the two small coins, we justify it in our lives going, yes, that was her. But, and, and, we, and then we just go on with our own life without ever speaking into our lives. 
See, I could go on about tithing and about giving to the church and how, how the church is actually built upon the generosity and the financial contributions of those, those members of the church. This is how we run. This is what we do. It's through your gift and generosity that the church continues to grow and continues to do all it can do. But I don't want to focus on that. What I want to focus on rather is your heart position. Where are you coming to this point? Do you have a heart that is full of greed or a heart full of generosity? Here's the thing I want you to do. For me, and I'm going to put it up on the screen. For me, this is what I want to be known for. I want to be known for a heart full of generosity. Is that something that you want to be known for? That you have a heart full of generosity, not just in financial matters, but in everything, in all parts of our lives, in the times that we give to people, in the words that we say to people, in the actions that we do, is it full of generosity? Is it full of hope? See, the widow in Jesus' time, you know, widows back in that time were some of the poorest of poor, most vulnerable in the population. See, it, our society has changed a bit, but not overly. You know, in a male-dominated society like it was back then, you know, she would have been left destitute without the generosity of the neighbours, without her being able to go out and glean from the fields. You just go back to the Old Testament, to Ruth, to understand that reference. The widows being able to glean from the fields so they can continue on living. So what Jesus is saying to his disciples, when he points out the gift of the widow, is not about the volume, not about the amount. It's about what she did. She, she gave 100%. She gave 100%. She understood that everything she owned, all that she is, all that she, her whole being, belongs to God. And she gave of that. Now, I love how Kimberly brought in that last, the, the bit of passage from last week that Kerry preached on about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. See, this poor widow, she lived it out. She gave all. You know when it says love the Lord with that word all, that is 100%. 100%. She puts it all in and that's just putting it into practice. And that's how the passages work and flow and show and the disciples are learning from Jesus. Learning what it means to actually embody that command to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And I love your neighbour as yourself. It's, it's, it's that. So the question is, do, I, do our motives measure up for us? And to be honest, my motives don't. And if you're honest, you probably say your motives don't either. But this is not about being bad. It's okay because God loves all of us. Now, that's the thing. God loves all of us, even if we don't have perfect motives, even if we don't live it out. Because our church, yes, it may be full of hypocrites, but that's where God's love comes into it all. Because it's not about measuring up. It's about God's grace for us, about God's love for us, about His saving grace upon the cross. It's not about our efforts. It's not about that. You know, yes, our motives do matter. And we should check them. 
Our motives matter because we want to become more like Jesus. We want to step into that space and become more like Jesus each and every day. And so we want to check our motives and be part of that. So for me, I want to be more generous. I want to be more open. I don't want to be putting on the show for people. I want people to see the real Simon. Because that's who God loves. Not the image that is portrayed. Not the clothes that I wear. Not the position that I have. Not the title that there is. It's me. That's so important because God wants to see you. Each and every one of you. Individually. And God loves you. And wants you to be coming closer and closer to Him. So let's just pray. Oh Lord God, we just come into this moment, into this space. Knowing that when we look at our motives, we realize that we just don't measure up. Yes, Lord, there's a standard, there's an ideal. And we want to come into that. We want to get better. We want to become more like you, Jesus, each and every day of our lives. So God, may your Holy Spirit be upon us so that we may become more like you. We may grow to to that statue of giving over all of our life, all of our life to you, our Lord. Our Lord, we just pray this in your holy name because you are our God. You are our Saviour. You are our Christ. Amen.